This is the Aussie Animal Show on AAA Radio. My name's Rob Armstrong. Welcome to the wildlife. On Friday the 18th of November, a collection of koala advocates gathered outside the office of our Victorian State Premier, Dan Andrews push home the fact that koalas are in crisis in Victoria. If you were unable to attend the rally, let me bring it to you now, live and complete. Sit back, relax. This is the wildlife. We first hear from Janine Duffy from Koala Clancy Foundation. I think it's the first time this has ever happened in Victoria, so yay! Fantastic! Good. So myself and my co-organisers, one of whom's here beside me, Jessica, from Ballarat Wildlife Rehabilitation and Conservation, and another one, Melinda Dara, is in South Gippsland. She couldn't make it here because of things she had on to do with wildlife, but she, we would all like to welcome you and thank you so much for coming. Today, you're going to hear from an impressive lineup of koala experts. Some of these speakers have 35 years of experience working with koalas, both as carers or rescuers or researchers. So these are the people who really know what koalas need in this state of Victoria. And together we have created a list of koala commandments which you'll see behind me. And Mel has several of them printed out over on the bonnet of the car, if you want to have a look at them. They've been signed by 16 groups. Some of them are carers in places like Myrtleford and South Gippsland and Southwestern Victoria. And some of them are international animal welfare organisations like I4. So in a short time, we've managed to put together a really good list and get a huge amount of support, which is fantastic. Now these women are going to tell you about what should be done for koalas and at the end I'm going to wrap up and tell you what we're going to do about it. It's not just about talk, it's about what we're going to do. So if you can stay until the end that would be fantastic. If you can't, please add your your name to the contact list which is down the front here with Melissa. She's holding it up now. Give us your email address so we can keep you in touch with developments of what's going to happen with this campaign to save our koalas. <laughs> now, before we I pass over to the first speaker, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about why I'm here. I've been researching koalas for 24 years. And when I noticed my Yuyang's population had declined by half in a decade, I knew there were no excuses and something had to be done. And so I started Koala Clancy Foundation. My name's Janine, I'm not sure if I told you that bit. (laughs) And we became, in 2016, the first organisation set up to specifically plant trees for koalas. Since 2016, we've planted 95,000 trees, which are, thank you. And some of you here have done this with me. Uh, we feel really good about it, but we're here today because it's not enough. 
because that's fine for my koalas in the Yu Yangs. It's not fine for the koalas in the plantations down in southwest Victoria or in South Gippsland or in Myrtleford. We have to do more to help those koalas. And you might wonder why my koalas were declining by such a huge amount in such a short time. But if you go to the Yu Yangs, have a look at the trees. The trees are dying. They're big old trees and they're dying from climate change. They're dying from dryness. They're dying from heat. And this is why the koalas are dying. Now, climate change is the massive, ugly cloud that is sitting over the top of everything you're gonna to hear today. And just recently, I was talking to a climate professor about what's in future for our koalas. Now we are at 1.1 degree of average global warming right now. And look at what it's done to our koalas already. I mean, is there anyone here who does not remember the 2019-2020 mega fires and what that did to our koalas and our wildlife? They've had floods, they've had droughts, they've had heat waves and their populations are crashing because of 1.1 degree of global warming. Now the bad news is there's another 0.5 locked in and we are not turning this off. We're gonna to go to 1.6, even with the best possible action. And I can't see a way that koalas are gonna get through 1.6 in the current state they're in, can you? No. I can't. So I spoke to Professor Brendan Mackey at Griffith University. I said, what do we do? And he said, you've gotta stop threats. He said, Janine, you've got to stop letting them die from stupid reasons. And that's what we're here to talk about today. The stupid reasons why koalas are dying. The stupid reason that Vic Forest makes a loss and they're still killing koalas using our money. The stupid reason that koalas are dying on the roads because there's no wildlife crossing and no one knows where the road death hotspots are. I mean, the stupid reason, and Jess is gonna talk about this, that they're dying in their thousands in the blue gum plantations. We can stop this because if we can make this species robust and healthy, they can fight climate change with us. But if we don't, they're going into this fight limping. And this is what we can't have. So now I wanna introduce you to my co-organizer, Jessica Robertson from Ballarat Wildlife Rehabilitation and Conservation, and she's going to have a few words. Thanks for coming everyone, I really appreciate you being here today. Um, before I talk about the issues in the blue gums, which is why I'm here, I'm going to talk on behalf of Mel, who couldn't be here today. She's the shelter operator of Mel and the Menagerie Wildlife Shelter, and she also represents the Friends of the Alberton West Forest. She, she's from East Gippsland. The Shrezlecki South East Gippsland koala population is identified as a distinct remnant endemic wild population of koalas. They are not part of the translocation koala populations that have gone to other parts of Victoria. The genetic diversity of these koalas is, pr is proving to be more robust than any other koala population thus far, studied across Australia. 
Therefore, the southern Gippsland koalas are crucial to the genetic strength of koalas Australia-wide. So why has this unique koala not been protected, as are the koalas of New South Wales, ACT and Queensland? There is an abundance of the translocated animals in Western Victoria, South Australia and French Island. This is not the case with the South East Gippsland koalas, and these populations need to be managed as a separate management unit. Their genetics has not, has not been compromised, as is the case with the translocated animals, which were sourced from a handful of individuals which survived the massacres of the fur trade. It is, this pop it is the population trend, not the numbers, which indicate the status of koalas in a particular location. The Maryvale paper mill has dictated the forest policies in Gippsland since its establishment in the 1930s, and in particular, the wood, paper and pulp agreements dating back to the 1960s. The plantation industry, as the largest landowners in the bioregion, has caused the greatest loss of biodiversity, including devastating impacts on the wild koalas. Habitat destruction, fragmentation, extreme weather events, including fire, predator attack, car strikes, all pose serious threats to all Victorian koalas. The Streslecki bioregion has the least amount of area set aside in protected parks and reserves, under, just under 3%, compared to any other forested area in the state. South Gippsland contains a mosaic of old growth, wet and dry rainforest, regenerating forests, swaths of barren cleared farmland and plantation. Remnant habitat must be protected. All old trees must not be damaged or burnt. Riparian zones require adequate non-disturbed buffers. There must be linking corridors to all watercourses and remnant vegetation to allow adequate gene flow. Areas separated from plantations need to be planted with the appropriate feed trees. Areas not suitable for plantation growth need to be retired and replanted. Private landowners need to be approached and consulted about protection of all watercourses, exclusion of stock protection and enhancement of linkages across the landscape. Community and department education on the importance of all flora and fauna and urgency to, to have the animal listed as vulnerable at the very least and protected under state and federal legislation. Unless the actions are undertaken with urgency, then it will be too late to save our national and international icon. We will be viewed as a country that does not care about our unique and precious fauna. Our appalling record of species extinction will continue. We should hang our heads in shame. shame. Our government has the blood of koalas on their hands and it will not stop until that changes. That's Mel. Thanks, Mel. Okay, now I'm representing Amy Carlton at Wombat Action Group down in Dalesford Way. They couldn't be here today, but they've given a small statement in support. Wombat Action Group stands in solidarity with Ballarat Wildlife Rehabilitation and Conservation and all others gathered today. We fully support the Koala 10 Commandments and demand the state government immediately adopts all of its recommendations. The Victorian government has a heartbreaking legacy of failing to protect our most threatened wildlife. In Wombat State Forest, koala habitat is being logged right now without any regulation and protection. En endangered, iconic and entirely undefendable. This insanity has to stop.
talk to you about the terrible situation in the southwest with blue gum plantations. I'm actually not from that area, I'm from Ballarat. Um, but 12 months ago, uh, a group of rescuers and advocates, we started a campaign to halt the harvest of a blue gum plantation in Gordon near Ballarat to save four koalas. It has been an epic battle. But the harvest has been halted. We've managed to halt the harvest for now. Thank you. In the southwest of Victoria, there are 130,000 hectares of blue gum plantations. And most of these plantations are inhabited by koalas. According to the Department of Environment, there are 47,000 koalas currently dependent and living in blue gum plantations. Thousands of hectares of those plantations are coming down every day, every year, sorry, when they reach maturity. And there is no requirement of any of those companies to leave any habitat for koalas. For the tens of thousands of koalas who depend on those blue gums for survival. Plantations are mostly grown on private farmland, so there's absolutely no way to monitor what actually happens during harvest. DELP, the Department of Environment, they give these companies a full authorization to disturb koalas. And when I say disturb, I mean knock their homes down around them. And once those trees are gone, if they survive the clear felling, they're left with nothing. No food, no shelter. And they make it the responsibility of the plantation companies to report on how many koalas were there in the first instance and how many they injure and kill. They just have to report on it. There is no checking and no monitoring of this process of how many are killed. There's no government monitoring whatsoever. There's, not, there's, no, there's no way to know how many koalas are literally left displaced with no habitat. Anecdotally, we know it's a lot. We hear from carers down there all the time and they are inundated with sick, emaciated, traumatised koalas. They have a constant stream of orphan joeys coming through the door. There are koalas getting hit by cars every day, looking for habitat. They're left with nothing. They, they're even attacked by dogs and cattle. They have so many threats once their habitat's gone. This is criminal, right? But that authorization that DELP gives those companies, it absolves them of any responsibility of any crime. The government, this Dan Andrews government, has known about these issues for at least a decade. And we know this because we've done our research and they were interviewed about it 10 years ago on the 7.30 report. They've known about it for a really long time and they have chosen to do nothing. And still, we have another election and they have no strategy for what they're going to do to help those 50,000 koalas. Nothing. But we know this. We know that there is not enough native habitat left in that region to sustain those koalas when all those plantations come down. We know that DELP do not support relocation of those koalas. There has been no halt of any harvesting in that region 
even though the government knows that koalas are being left with nothing. They've been left to die. We know that many koalas down there are euthanized with very little justification. And if matters couldn't get any worse for the koalas down there, now when plantations come down, landowners are now banding their managums to protect them from koalas. So koalas are literally being left on the ground to starve to death. As a group, we're invested in saving these koalas. And we actually came up with some potential strategies for government. And our group, we contacted every MP in the state. We gave them facts. We told them what was happening and we gave them an opportunity to support our, our strategies. We had some support. We've got some support from the Greens. We've got full support from the AJP. We've got some full support from some independents. But we did not hear from one Labor or Liberal candidate. Not one. I want to be really clear about this. We're not against plantations. We're not against the plantation industry. We recognise that there is a need for it if we're going to stop logging our native forests. What we're actually against is the mismanagement of the plantation industry. They're a self-regulated industry. They're allowed to do whatever they want with our wildlife and it's not monitored. We, we're sick of the denial of this government of its catastrophic impact on our wildlife. Koala Commandment 2 is calling for an immediate halt of all blue gum harvesting until a solution can be found to protect these koalas that are now dependent on blue gums for habitat. Thank you. I've just got one short speech left and I just got this in from one of the carers in Portland. So they're in the front line down there with the blue gums. They can't be here because they're too busy rescuing and caring for millions of koalas. So this is from Sharon and she's the shelter operator of Ellen Bush Wildlife Shelter in Portland. In 2013, a koala expert, Dr. Alistair Melzer, a senior research fellow at the Centre of Environment Management Koala Research, Queensland, he cited the Glenelg Shire in Victoria, which is the down the Green Triangle, is crucial koala habitat. It begs the question, why are these animals being given such a low regard, even vermin status by some in the region? Ask yourself this, have you seen the koala being promoted as a tourist interest in the Green Triangle of Victoria? It is a resounding no. So why are they? After all, their iconic status as a flagship species of Australia generates a multi-million dollar tourism, multi-million dollar tourism industry in this country. <coughs> Caring for koalas here is hampered by a huge lack of support across the board. As a carer, there is only so many hours in a day to keep up with, all, with it all. Burnout goes with the job. I have been saying for several years now that our koalas are in serious trouble for their existence in the regions, but alas, my voice was continually ignored. Whatever protections and policies there are, they're weak and basically non-functional. And the same goes for prosecutions and enforcements of the laws. Koala numbers are approximate only due to no accurate counting system, so it makes the term overpopulated questionable. 
Clearly, stakeholder and government involvement regarding koala support in South Australia and Victoria has been put on the back burner, more so in lieu of the current health situation. Out of sight, out of mind is not good enough, and covert culling is not the answer. Seems that money matters more than koala lives. Stop the killing and stop the lies. Thanks, June. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jess. This is Michelle from Anamale, everyone. Please welcome her, Michelle. Hi, guys, and thank you so much today for turning out in support of our koalas. I just want to mention a few things that <clears throat> I work with koalas every day. And in 2020, I was asked to attend the Cape Bridgewater Koala Massacre. I couldn't attend because I was already down in Bansdale doing the Flying Fox Colony heat stress event. And my vet was lucky enough that she was available to go down. Now, those koalas were massacred out of a bluegum plantation by the landowners and by a private contracting company. There is 253 charges of aggravated assault, animal cruelty against those, those companies. Individuals, 126 charges were laid against the companies. There was 126 charges laid against individuals and then 90 separate charges of koala deaths laid against individuals and companies. Now, you could say that's Cape Bridgewater, it's far away from here, what do we care? I live in Frankston and when we had our, we have koalas in Frankston, I've got over 250 sightings of koalas in Frankston by our local residents and koalas that have been hit by cars, attacked by dogs. They also get trampled by cattle. That's what cattle attack is. Our koala population, the chlamydia that infects the koala population was bought here by sheep. It is sheep chlamydia. We have a responsibility to fix that problem and nothing's been done. There's actually a vaccine that's been provided for the koalas. It's got a few problems. They've still got it in their test stages but it needs federal funding. That's one of the things that the federal funding government could do and Dan Andrews could get behind that. Our koalas in Frankston though, faced another front. When the new upgrades to the railway line went through, every single one of the koala food trees that I regularly go and cut from was cut down for that railway line. And what have they replaced them with? These were endemic species, let me tell you. They were indigenous to the area. They're the only thing that the koalas of Frankston really like to eat. They were cut down. What did they replace them with? Pine trees. Pine trees. So this is something that's happening everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. The koalas are being hammered. They're being hammered because there is no action plan for koalas in this state. As soon as there's a problem, they just say they're in overabundance. It's not a problem. 
we don't need them. That is not true. They are not in overabundance. They need to actually have a voice and we are their voice. And unfortunately, me being a voice here, let's see if I get a, a knock on the door from the department, because I'm sure I will, as a result of being here. Because they like to punish every single wildlife shelter for actually standing up and having a say. And me saying that, again, will probably bring the wrath of God down on me. So let's see what happens. I'm hoping that you guys will be there behind me if that happens. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I just want to add to that too. The, the, the carers down in Portland are really fearful of the same thing because they get threats and intimidation from the plantation companies as well to stay silent on what's happening to our wildlife. So it's not just the government, DELP, it's actually the industry as well. So, you know, it's difficult for them to speak out. So thank you for speaking out today as a shelter. Thanks to everybody. All right. I'm, I'm now going to introduce Gail. And Gail is from Wombat Forest Care down near us. Thanks, Gail. Go, Gail. Thanks. Hi. Yeah, so we're just, um, we do have koalas, but we also have a lot of other species. And we've seen this incredible disregard for native flora and fauna from the Andrews government. You know, we've got the 2018 State of the Environment report pointed out that a third of our flora, fauna and ecosystems are at all at risk of extinction. There's little funding for biodiversity and there's enormous funding to prop up thick forests and the logging industry. So the wombat forest has over 40 species that are threatened with extinction. Greater gliders, plants, um, and even uh, a mountain skink. We have the values that this should be a national park. We have had a Victorian Environment Assessment Council process and it recommended a new national park, a new Lerdeberg Wombat National Park and a number of regional parks and a conservation park. Now in June 2021, the government agreed this would go ahead. So that's nearly 18 months ago. But it's also in June 21, we had that massive storm that left um, thousands of trees on the ground. So now what we've got is Vic Forests salvaging in the most destructive way you can imagine. Clearing habitat, standing habitat, so they can bring in the most enormous machines that weigh 20 to 30 tonnes, carving great tracks through the forest and pulling out every big log. So those logs were going to be our future habitat. They hold the soil together, they shade plants as they're growing, and as they decay, they become home for lizards, insects, that the insects that the birds rely on, fungi, mosses, 
So this is all being ripped out of our forest and then great tracks are being carved so and opened up. So all the vegetation removed from these tracks. It's shocking. And there's 175 of these coops and 80 of them are in the proposed national park. So we're calling on the, the Andrews government to halt the Vic Forest's operation and give us our national park and regional parks now. Thank you, everyone. Hayley Forster, who's the president of WATCH. Some of you would know the word WATCH, W-O-T-C-H. They're the wildlife of the Central Highlands that uh, bring injunctions against big forests whenever they're logging in endangered species territory. So, thank you, Hayley. Thank you. Uh, thanks. Um, I also work with the Koala Clancy Foundation with Janine. Um, and I'm amazed at what uh, she and the team have been able to put together today to support koalas. Um, uh, and although I work for the Koala Clancy Foundation, I am going to tell you a little bit about um, the work that we do and the relation with koalas and the devastation that we see. Um, so watch, we focus on uh, surveying for threatened species. And we do focus on threatened species because our goal is to try and protect whatever native forest that we can from logging. Um, now, in order to do that, it's only threatened species that have any form of protection. And even still, some threatened species really don't have any. Uh, so for something like the koala without its listing, then misses out on any protection whatsoever when it comes to uh, native forest logging. So for example, if we find a Leadbeater's possum in the, in the forest, one of our focus species, they get a 200 metre buffer around a, a recorded sighting um, once it's been submitted to DELP and verified. Now a 200 metre buffer is still quite pathetic for a species that travels up to a kilometre in a night. However, it's the only really solid protection that we've been able to get um, throughout the forest. So we do focus on them, also the greater gliders, their, um, their level of protection, although they are a threatened species and have been listed for uh, since 2016, uh, their protection is completely abysmal. And that's why there's been multiple uh, court cases uh, against Vic Forest to support the Greater Glider and try and get them bred of protection. But that's just an example of even when threatened, the protection is still pretty much just completely inadequate. Um, now I'll tell you about what happens with koalas. We don't actually go out in seek of koalas. Again, we are trying to get forests protected and sadly, that's not a way you can do it at the moment. However, because we do spend so much time in the forest uh, and we're spotlighting, um, we can sometimes find 
the koalas there. Uh, it's not common, and that's just kind of what shows that their densities are really, really low in the central highlands. Um, I'm sure they would have once been much more prevalent in those areas. There is gorgeous habitat there, especially in areas that haven't been impacted by uh, clear fell logging and wildfire. But um, so now if we go out and we find a koala, we'll still record it regardless. Um, but then do you know what happens? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. So uh, I'll tell you a specific story that I remember very vividly because it was one of the first places I revisited after being there when it was a standing gorgeous old forest with beautiful hollow bearing trees. We found a number of greater gliders there, I think six or seven, um, a bunch of ringtail possums and other wildlife and this gorgeous, big, beautiful, healthy looking female koala. And she was just amazing. I returned to that site after they had logged it. And this was a good, I think it was about 50, 60 hectares, a very large logging coop. And when I returned, barely anything left. Now, even down to the tree that that koala is in, still doesn't matter. That specific tree, gone. That specific, specific area, gone. So it doesn't matter even down to that exact tree where that koala was found, no regard whatsoever. Um, so sure, they're not threatened, they're not listed as threatened in Victoria. I think a lot of us know that they are in that state, but because they don't have that listing, there is nothing for them. Um, and that did cut me really, really deep. I have since then returned to many places that I've seen uh, wildlife thriving and then that whole place lost. And it hurts to return to those places because you've seen them alive. Uh, and when you go back there, it's like an apocalyptic event has gone through. Um, so what I believe is that all of our native species should be protected, listed as threatened or not. And the koala, if we can't look after the koala, arguably Australia's favourite species, especially internationally, Doing um, wildlife tours, I quite often will have guests tell me that the reason they came to Australia is because they wanted to see a koala in the wild. Now, if we lose them, we lose all those people as well. So there's so many reasons why we need to protect these species, whether they're listed as threatened or not. Um, now, I forgot what else I was going to say. Um, one of the big issues is, is it's come down to small uh, community groups to take Vic Forest to court. Thankfully, we've had some incredible wins recently um, in regard to greater gliders. And the tree G-bung. But why is it these tiny, tiny groups that have only a handful of people uh, and the fundraising of all the wonderful supportive people that have to, uh, for us to be able to get somebody to acknowledge that what they're doing is wrong and in fact illegal illegal. The court has told us this is wrong. The, what, what they're doing is wrong. So all I'm going to say is to end is that these species need more protection. Koalas need more protection and we need to stop logging their native forests. Now for those who've been standing out in the sun for a while, we're wrapping this up now, which will be a relief and then we can chat. 
we can go over to the cafe in Springvale and chat further if you like. But one thing we wanted to do, all of us organisers, is have a minute's silence so that we can reflect on what's been said, we can reflect on what's, what we've heard, and also reflect on the thousands of koalas that have died in the last eight years under this guy's watch. So starting now, a minute. That's a minute. It's not really enough, is it? So to wrap this up, we're gonna tell you what we're gonna do about this. So we're going to be taking in a copy of the Koala Commandments to the Premier's office today, and we're gonna be taking it in to the next Premier's office, whoever that might be, uh, when they've sorted things out. And we're going to form an alliance and this will be the first time this has happened in Victoria with koala groups. We're going to make a strategic plan and we are going to push these governments and we are going to push them and push them until they are so sick of seeing us that they will eventually invite us to the table. And then they'll talk and then they'll make promises that they have no intention of going through with and we will ignore them and we will keep pushing because we know what they do with promises, don't we? They promised what, to, to stop logging old growth forests in 2019. Did they? No. So we don't trust them and we're gonna keep doing this. Now, all of you were here for the first one, the first time this has happened. I wanna congratulate you for having the guts to take some time out of your day and be here. The next time this happens, you'll look around and you'll see hundreds of faces and it'll probably be on the steps of Parliament House. Uh, if you want to be part of this and to make this thing happen, sign up on our contact form over there. If we don't already have your address, please do and, and share it with your friends. If you want to see the Koala Commandments, go on to Koala Clancy Foundation, um, go on to Koala News and Science on Twitter. Um, we'll be putting this up on Facebook, won't we? and through XR channels as well. And lastly, I did just want to say an enormous thank you to the groups who've helped with this. So Extinction Rebellion, thank you so much for your support and advice. <laughs> We've never done a rally before, but these guys made us feel really confident. Um, and thank you to all of the groups who signed the commandments, everyone who got their team over here. Thanks, Dirk, for bringing some of your team as well. Um, if you want to come back with us to the Cafe Vita in Springvale Cemetery, apparently it's the nicest place. Oh, we will have a photo, yeah? We'll have some group photos. And then we'll go back and have a coffee and lunch for those of us who haven't had anything to eat since breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We might, get, we might get all the koalas to have a little lie down. That's oh, a good idea. In front of Dan's office. Okay, folks, that was it. You couldn't be there. You've heard the speeches. Get involved. First place to visit, koalaclancyfoundation.org.au or listen to this program. 
we will not give up until our Victorian koalas have the protection they deserve. Stay safe. This is the wildlife.